0: My name is Dan Mason. In 2012, I was overweight, getting divorced, battling depression, and feeling trapped in a career where I was successful, but bored and unfulfilled. And it's actually the greatest gift I've ever been given. I used my pain as a springboard to discover my life's purpose. Now, I want to share the same tools and strategies which help transform my life with you. So you can live Life Amplified. Dr. Harville Hendricks is the author of the incredible book, Getting the Love You Want. He says, we are born in relationship, we're wounded in relationship, and we are healed in relationship. And frequent Life Amplified podcast guest, Mastin Kipp, who is also a best-selling author, says, all of life is relationship. When you heal your relationship to relationship, the universe opens. Now, I know that that might seem a little bit airy-fairy. It might be confusing to you, but I promise you're going to leave this episode this week with so much clarity because if you're anything like I was you probably sat around and asked yourself why can some people speak up and get their needs met in relationships and in the office while others collapse on themselves and feel like they're damned if they do and damned if they don't you know why are some people extroverts while other people are antisocial why are some people quote-unquote clingy in romantic relationships and why do other people hold their partners at arm's length why can some people say no and set boundaries with their schedule while other people are running around like a chicken with their head cut off in a constant state of overwhelm and working themselves into the ground. Well, this week, By the end of the episode, my intention is that you leave with a better understanding of why you do some of the things you do and why other people in your life do some of the things they do. We're going to dive into all things attachment, but first I want to start out by giving a shout out to our listener of the week, which is Amy underscore symbol on Apple podcast. She left us a five-star review. She says the Life Amplified podcast is honest, thoughtful, direct, and actionable. I find myself using the advice and the concepts and the insights stick with me for the reflection. I look forward to them each week. Well, Amy, I love you for listening. It means the world to me. Thank you so much for being here. And I think this week is going to be a game changer for you. By the way, I would love to shout you out if you've been a long time listener to the podcast or maybe you just found us for the first time. There are three ways that you can connect with us. Number one, you can screenshot this podcast, upload it to Instagram or Twitter. Be sure to tag me. At CSC Dan Mason, and be sure to share some of the insights and the breakthroughs that made a difference for you. Number two, you can be like Amy and you can leave us those five star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts, which really helps us with the algorithm and to get this content in front of more people. And number three, you can always join our private Facebook community, our Life Amplified Power Tribe. We have people from all over the globe. Just click the link in the show notes. We'll let you join the group and you can share some of your insights and thoughts and take takeaways on there as well. So what we're really getting down to in this episode today is the idea of attachment, which was created in the 1950s by a doctor by the name of John Bowlby, and he defined attachment at the time as the emotional and psychological connectedness between human beings. However, I would take this a step further and tell you that attachment will inform how you connect with everything in your life, not just people, but also your career, also with money also with just your schedule each day. You know, how you do one thing is truly how you do all things. So a lot of times when you hear about attachment in the personal growth world, it's usually used in context to romantic relationships. And we're going to talk about that today. But if you listened a few weeks ago, Stefan Lovegrove and I talked about money and that we have attachment patterns to that. The content today is all about really your relationship to risk in general. If you want to head into a career or a big life transition and leave your comfort zone, the level of comfort you have with risk will be directly informed by your attachment patterns, which is why I think this is such a great conversation. And also these attachment patterns will determine whether you really ever take a leap into entrepreneurship, if that is something that is appealing to you, that you wanna start your own business and become your own boss. But really uh, 90% of all human behavior is imported From our attachment history. And the thing that's really tricky here and why we're all our own worst therapists and coaches is attachment, according to research, is developed in the first two years of life. And it really has to do with the quality of care that you got from your caregivers. And in particular, your primary attachment figure, which for most of us, that is our mother because she's the one who carried us in her belly and she gave life to us. And normally because the attachment patterns are developed so early in life, it creates responses within us as adults that are just automatic. They become a go-to and we've rehearsed these responses for so long that a lot of times when clients come to me, they say things like, well, Dan, you don't understand. I was just born this way. That's not always necessarily true. And I think that you're gonna understand that by the end of this episode because your reactions, particularly during times of stress, your behavior, your automatic responses. You know, if you're a person who likes to shut down or if you're a person who goes straight to anger, it's all informed by two things number one, you have an internal working model of how you believe that the world works. You know, think of it as the Instagram filter through which you view life. And at the end of the day, the filter is, am I worthy of love and attention? Am I worthy of abundance? Am I worthy of receiving all of life's bounty? Because if you cried out, at an early age and people met your needs consistently, you probably feel like you're pretty worthy. If you were one of the people who cried out and your needs weren't met for a variety of reasons, chances are you feel unworthy. So, you know, we have this internal working model of how we believe the world works. And then the other really complicated part is every person listening to this podcast today has a unique attachment history. You have a unique set of circumstances and life experiences with the people who were supposed to keep you safe growing up. And depending on how effective they were at that job, it's going to inform your attachment patterns as an adult. And here is some research that hasn't really gone mainstream yet, but this is fascinating that attachment can be developed in utero because babies can intuit the surroundings and the environment that they're going to be born into. That's incredible. You know, I was talking about this with a good friend of mine recently, and she's like, she used to make fun of her friends who were pregnant, who would like, you know, sing to the unborn baby or that the father would put his mouth on the mother's tummy and want to just give loving messages to the baby. But it totally makes sense in context of this. That's actually creating a safe environment for a baby to be born into. So a couple of things that you should consider when we're talking about your internal working model are what are the relationships in your life that were sources of safety? Also, what were the relationships That were sources of danger. And what did it feel like when people went away or when there was distance? Did you feel alone or was there a sense of certainty that people were going to come back? And, you know, one of the interesting things about attachment is what does it feel like for you, for others to approach or reach out to you? Because if you grew up in a home where all of a sudden you were responsible to emotionally regulate your parents... That can create a whole series of issues that we're going to get into here in just a moment. Because what I want to do now is share the four primary attachment styles with you. So that you can take inventory of where you fall on the spectrum. And you might realize that you have different attachment styles in different areas of your life, although there's gonna be one of these that resonates the most with you. It's just going to feel the most true. And as to where most people who talk about attachment are going to frame this in the context of romantic relationships, I'd like to invite you today to step into a new way of thinking with how do these attachment styles show up in other areas of your life? How does it show up in your career? How does it show up just in friendships? How does it show up with your relationship with money? And does your attachment style inform the way that you view taking risks in your life? Because any next level that you're trying to get to, whether it be at work, financially, it's going to involve some level of emotional risk and that can be paralyzing for people. So let's start out with what is, for lack of a better term, hashtag attachment goals. And that is for the folks who have secure attachment. Secure attachment is the byproduct of growing up in a home where there was a consistent and loving response to your needs. You know, it's interesting when I look at some of the research that I did preparing for this episode today, they say about 50% of people have secure attachment. And that was actually a really shocking number to me. I expected it to be lower. But part of that is my internal working model of growing up in a really dysfunctional household where there weren't any secure secure attachments anywhere in the family and also just with the kind of work that I do because chances are if you're a person who has secure attachment, you're cool. You're chilling. You know, you're not seeking out a coach or a therapist in your life, but secure attachment is really, you know, what does that look like? What does it feel like? Well, it means that warmth and love come naturally and you're able to be intimate in relationships without worrying about the relationship or little misunderstandings. You know, when there are breakdowns in communication, it doesn't make you question the entire relationship. You know, you're able to accept other people's shortcomings. And still treat them with love and respect you don't feel like you need to play games or manipulate other people to get your needs met because you are direct and you're able to openly and assertively share your needs and feelings you're also responsive to the needs of the people around you you're able to meet other people's needs because you have really good self-esteem so when people might give you a criticism or if they're upset you don't take those things personally So you don't become defensive. You're able to be with somebody in their pain in a state of empathy and really de-escalate the situation by helping problem-solve, forgiving and apologizing. Secure attachment employees in the office, they just kind of take tasks at work as they come. They do what they can to address the issues that come up without stressing too much. These are people who work really hard, but they're not afraid to ask for help or support when they need it because they know that they're capable. They know they're confident and they know that other people will respond to them. They're also super ninjas at managing their time. They're able to prioritize tasks. They're able to set healthy boundaries and push back when necessary. Secure attachment bosses at work are able to solicit feedback and implement it without feeling personally attacked. They're genuinely interested and concerned about the well-being of their people. But if you are a person with secure attachment, you never feel like you have to betray yourself to please another person. So that is really what we're looking to create in our life when you know you're creating an amplified life that's clicking on all cylinders you're going to be able to take inventory and be like god i have secure relationships with people with my career i have a secure relationship with money with risk taking when need be i am good Now, the next level down from that are the people who are anxious attachment. These are the people that are constantly like in that fight or flight mode. And it's because generally there was an inconsistent response to their needs growing up. Anxious attachment people are obsessed with relationships. It's a big driver in their life. And when relationships aren't going well, it's a huge cause of stress. These are people that want to be close. They're able to be intimate and open up. However, the problem for anxious attachment people is that in order to maintain a positive connection, they often will give up their needs to please and accommodate a partner. And then usually when they don't get their needs met, they become unhappy. They're very prone to taking things personally and putting a negative twist on situations to project undesirable outcomes. Sometimes in an anxious attachment in relationships, you might try to manipulate people to get attention and reassurance, either by withdrawing or shutting down or acting out emotionally and having a huge outburst. You might just not return calls or try to provoke jealousy. Anxious attachment people, when it comes to work, have got huge time management struggles. The first is they tend to get easily distracted whenever they experience or perceive that they might be a threat you know, because they're always expecting negative outcomes, they tend to assume that that email that's coming in from a client must be a complaint. They tend to assume when they didn't get immediate feedback from a boss praising them for a job well done, that it must be, oh my God, they're they're out shopping my job. They're going to fire me soon. And the bigger issue that I see with a lot of my clients when they come to me with an anxious attachment pattern is there is a severe resistance to setting boundaries. In fact, saying no, No to anything is terrifying because in their mind, it's a pattern that will lead to rejection. So if you're an anxious attachment person looking to learn how to set boundaries, it could start with just setting some micro goals for yourself. It could be something small, staying away from email after you walk out of the office for the night. It could just be have the courage to say, look, I can't do this tonight and just waiting to get that assignment done until the next day. The master lesson for people with anxious attachment is that it is safe to have the things I want You know, a lot of times people with this attachment style, they feel like if they get the things they want, that it's going to hurt somebody else. If I'm too financially abundant, it's going to make my parents jealous or it'll make my siblings jealous if I'm doing better than they are. Anxious attachment people are overly focused on others. And now there are some blind spots that come out of this attachment style. If you're hearing me right now and starting to internalize and judge yourself, don't. Because, A, I have anxious attachment tendencies, and I'll get to you about what my personal attachment style is coming up later in the episode. But people with anxious attachment have tremendous empathy and compassion. You know, these are people that just love hard. They are highly attuned to the emotions of other people, and they can be tremendous friends. The problem is, is they just have to set boundaries and also prioritize their self-care and take care of their needs so they don't find themselves overwhelmed, exhausted, and resentful of what they're giving to other people. Because over a prolonged period of time, if you find yourself resentful... And that you don't know how to be in relationship with somebody without losing yourself. You could go down the road of the third attachment style that we're going to talk about. And that is avoidant attachment. These are people who avoid closeness. If you are an avoidant, you value your independence and self sufficiency at a premium in your life. In fact, that's more important to you than intimacy. You know, you can enjoy closeness, but to a limit. In relationships, this can be a tough thing because you're so self-sufficient and self-reliant that you aren't comfortable sharing your feelings. You know, they've done studies on this uh, with partners saying goodbye in an airport. The avoidant people didn't really display much uh, contact, anxiety, or sadness in contrast to some of the other patterns that we're talking about. So, you know, for the avoidant, you can protect your freedom and actually delay commitment. And this is all the result of having a rigid or distant response to your needs growing up. If you grew up in a home with too many rules and you didn't feel like you could really be yourself because you were having to meet other people's expectations, or if people were just emotionally unavailable to you, if you cried out and nobody answered for you, avoidance is a huge pattern. So in relationships, avoiding people, it's sort of like out of sight, out of mind. You're able to put situations and people out of your mind really easily and you're biggest fear is that your partner is going to try to control you or limit your autonomy and freedom. How does the avoidant person function in the office? Well, typically they believe that they're smart and everybody else is not quite on their level. Because of this need of autonomy, they are highly independent. They want to do the things they want to do and ignore what other people want, which can cause distress in corporate structures if you're answering to a boss. And it creates a lot of mistrust. For you in the office. And the problem is when your superiors mistrust you, then they start to micromanage and monitor you more, which just makes you even more annoyed and makes you withdraw even more in the office. You know, it's interesting for me when I think back on my corporate career, particularly at my last job, I was sold on the job being told that I was going to have tremendous independence and that I would have a lot of creative autonomy in our product and that I would be really free to manage things. And once I got into the company, I realized it was actually the most linear top-down structure ever, which really made me avoidant. I started to withdraw at work. So struggles for an avoidant attachment person in the office are, again, time management issues, but they're missing deadlines on important reports because they don't consider that work important. They're focusing on the things that are priorities to them. This was a huge thing that came up for me at corporate. I was like, oh, you want your Friday weekly report done? Screw you. I'm working on this other thing, you know, because I was just so in my own world and trying to focus my time and attention on the things that I really felt would move the meter, but didn't really sit well with a lot of my bosses either. And one of the issues for people with avoidant attachment is they will end up working late because they're not managing their time well. They have to get these other projects done that they've been putting off that they didn't feel were important. So it can create late hours in the office, which here's the really interesting thing about avoidant attachment, sometimes that workaholism and working late hours in the office can also be a way to meet the avoidant need in a romantic relationship of not being smothered and losing your independence when you come home. So these are very deep-seated patterns of behavior. I see these a lot with my clients. If you grew up as a child who was uh, having to be in sports to please a parent and life became about you do schoolwork, and you practice your sport, and that's it. These are people who very much develop avoidant attachment. Avoidant attachment is also a very typical response and attachment style if you grew up in a home with addiction or an addict parent, because so often you had to be the responsible one as a child. You were having to clean up the mess or be the parent to your parent, or you were having to take care of siblings. So it does lead to a high state of avoidance that you don't know how to be in proximity to people without losing yourself in the process. So avoidant attachment will show up as a result of that. So once again, there are hidden blessings in every attachment style. For the person who's avoidant, you are highly independent. You are a self-starter. You feel safe just starting a project on your own and kind of chilling and doing your own thing. You don't need a lot of help from other people, but that also becomes the curse because you don't allow help, particularly For avoidant people who start entrepreneurships, you know, this was a big struggle that I documented last year for me was allowing myself to build a team and be supported. And right now I have an assistant, Ashley, who's awesome and she's crushing it and she makes my life so much easier and she is able to fix problems I didn't even know I had in the structure and organization of my business. But that was really hard for me to invite in because on some level with my avoidant pattern, it was like, God, if I let people get too close, either abandon me or let me down. So I've got to wall myself off here in my Dan Mason Fortress of Solitude. (laughs) So, you know, like I said, your independence, your self-sufficiency is a blessing, but it can be a curse if it goes unchecked. And it certainly keeps you from building the deeper, more intimate relationships that you really crave, but you don't necessarily feel safe to have. Now, you might be listening going, well, Dan, you said that you identify with anxious attachment, but you also identify with avoidant attachment. So what gives? And that brings us to the fourth and final attachment style today. And this is only really a thing with about five to 10 percent of the population, and it's called disorganized attachment disorganized people are part anxious they're part avoidant and this is usually the result of growing up in a home where there was a lot of chaos if you came home every day and you weren't sure who mom or dad would be at any given time if your primary attachment figure was a source of love but also a source of fear because they would become unhinged that there were times that they would lash out it becomes very confusing for the disorganized attachment person because on some level they believe love is pain. So when I tell you that I identify with those other two attachment styles, it's because I actually test is disorganized attachment in my own life, it leaning slightly more toward anxious. So disorganized attachment people in many instances are the classic come here, go away. That's kind of their mantra come here i need you go away no you're too much but wait come here i need you again and disorganized attachment at work and in the office is most usually what happens when people come to me and they tell me that they're stuck they have the fear of people with anxious attachment without the confidence that they can actually take charge of their life course correct and make things right disorganized attachment, people feel the fear when they see the email coming in and they anticipate a bad response. But because they're also avoidant, they never actually open the email. (laughs) You know, They just sort of live in the state of panic and worry about what it's going to be inside. But it creates this paralyzing dread every day in the office. So if you're disorganized at work, a lot of times you don't trust yourself, but you don't also trust the system. And that just leads to almost learned Helplessness, Because at some point you're like, I don't even know if this is worth it. Why am I even trying? So if you're somebody who spends a huge amount of time in perpetual overwhelm because you fear everything and feel so little power in your life to do anything about it, it's definitely a clue that you might be disorganized, especially if you just try to escape and not feel anything. You know, disorganized attachment people might be the ones more getting lost in social media, watching cat videos on YouTube, screwing around on their cell phone, or just sitting there thinking about what excuse that they're going to give that their work isn't done. And if you're looking for a strategy to get out of that, the first thing that you have to do is you have to find a way to self-soothe and to calm your fear response. So whether that be meditation, journaling, positive self-talk, you know, finding a mentor a therapist, a coach, you've got to find some way to self-soothe while also still taking action to get the work done. So you've got to get into daily goal setting, not just, you know, New Year's resolutions, but each day deciding what the three most important tasks are that are going to drive you forward. And then maybe just, you know, working 15 to 20 minutes a day on a project that you've been avoiding for weeks. So we've given you the four primary attachment styles, secure attachment, anxious attachment, avoidant, and disorganized. If you're a secure attachment person, you're like, wow, Dan, this is fascinating information. I'm so glad you shared this. If you're an anxious attachment person, you're freaking out right now going, oh my God, this means I'm not enough. I'm a disaster. Oh God, I'm never going to find love. What if people never love me? And if you're avoidant attachment, <laughs> you're listening to the info that I'm giving you this week and going, well, I'm never going to be able to turn this around. Why even bother? I'm just going to shut down. Go eat some ice cream and watch Netflix tonight, Dan. But I want to be clear that I don't want you to shame yourself over this content right now. There's nothing here that you need to judge or beat yourself up over. Attachment patterns, everybody has an attachment style. Number two, as we discussed earlier, there are gifts in the attachment style, even for disorganized attachment, by the way, because you're so used to chaos growing up in your home, you're actually the most likely people to take a risk. Disorganized attachment people end up being the best entrepreneurs, at least initially, because they don't let the fear of failure or rejection hold them back. So there are gifts in every single attachment style, as well as blind spots. And it's all something that is fixable. You can move towards secure attachment with the right mentorship, with the right help. There are three ways that you can do that. Number one, you got to create a different narrative about your life. And that often includes really allowing yourself to feel the full pain of your past. That's a tough one if you're somebody who's an avoidant. You've been disassociated and disconnected from pain from so many years. But as you're able to allow yourself to feel the emotions, you can start to heal them because we want to identify with something bigger than just the incidents that happened to you or what mom and dad did or did not do. There is a statue of limitations on every parent's behavior growing up as a child. And at some point we have to take responsibility, not for what happened to us, because many of the times, you know, the the things that happened to you as a child, none of that was your fault, but we have to take responsibility to relate to it differently. So many people are able to take the pain in their life and then use that to help serve and heal other people. Who are still struggling that is something you could do if you so desire but we want to get you out of the victim loop and just get you into a place of taking accountability for your life moving forward number two a great way to heal your attachment style is to choose a partner who has a healthier attachment style you know this is how we can create a new model for how relationships can work. You know, a lot of my clients who come to me uh, have told me that their only secure attachment that they have in their life is with me because they can show up, they can talk openly about their life, what they're experiencing, and there's never any judgment. I can meet them there with a place of empathy. And, you know, there's tremendous healing in that because it lets them know that it's possible in other relationships as well. So if you're a person who experiences a lot of anxiety or uncertainty or jealousy in your adult relationships, there is security to be had by finding a partner who's calm and consistent. You know, if you grew up being more avoidant, staying to yourself, avoiding closeness, then finding somebody who is more vulnerable and open will help you come out of that patterning eventually. You know, I think relationships, romantic relationships are some of the best containers to heal our attachment. And then the third step is get help from somebody who is qualified to take you through this process and do a deep dive with you on your attachment. So find a trauma-informed therapist, uh, somebody who specializes in attachment. There are plenty of coaches who are very well-schooled in attachment theory, and they can help you as well. But you don't have to do it alone. And really, at the end of the day, you're never going to heal these attachments on your own. I go back to the quote from Harville Hendricks at the beginning. We're born into relationship, we're wounded in relationship, but we're also healed in relationship. So being able to build a stable, secure attachment Uh, with a qualified coach, therapist, mentor, uh, that can be an absolute game changer in your life. A lot of information that I threw out in this episode this week, and it's a lot to take in, but I would love to hear about your breakthroughs, your aha moments. If this content makes sense to you, if it's really affected you, by all means, please share this with your partner, share it with your family, you know, share it with other people, you know, who are in the struggle. It might open up some new conversations and a new level of healing for you in your relationships. And if you need some additional support to either reduce that amount of anxiousness in your life or maybe come out of avoidance and express yourself more so you can finally move towards secure attachments in your life, I do have a couple spots open for VIP coaching in the month of April. You can go to my website and apply there for all the information, creative soulcoaching.net. Don't forget, you can always reach out to me on Instagram or Twitter at CSC Dan Mason. And you can always join our private Facebook group, the Life Amplified Power Tribe. You can get the link to that right now in the show notes. I love you so much for listening. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me this week. And don't forget, it's time to turn down the volume on your negativity and turn up the volume on your purpose so you can live life amplified. I'll talk to you next week.